Hi everyone, welcome to Better Homes and Dungeons. This week, exhibitionism. How to have that conversation out in the open. Sorry, that joke didn't work. It's... I didn't even tell it the way I wanted to. Why do I bother? <laughs> look, it's probably gonna... Look, that was probably the last one I ever do of it. Because, I mean, look, it's been a funny gimmick, but it's time to put that to bed. No, that wasn't an attempted joke either. I was, I was just, I was just gonna say, I, I think we can work with that. I think that's something that can be worked with. All right, we can workshop it. Okay. Um, Alex, hi, lovely to talk to you again. After yes. we managed the most MacGyver way of doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, lovely to speak with you again after we have MacGyvered our tech setup, and if we talk over each other for this episode. Listeners, be aware that for this time, we can't actually see each other, so there's no visual cues for, for this. It, it just means that, A, we kind of have to, you know, work on, like, you know, having an understanding of the ebb and flow of conversation, and Josh will have to fix it in post. Fix it in post. That's, that's like the golden rule, isn't it? Don't worry, we'll fix it in post. I've never, I actually know, I have on occasion fixed it in post, and the problem is I've sometimes done such a good job that no one knows except me that it was so well fixed. It's like, damn it. Well, there you go. We will fix it in post. Anyways, um, Alex, how have you been? I've been good. I've been, I've been playing D&D, um, the regular games, the new games, the stream games, the home games, everything in between. Games. Yeah, minigame. All the aims. Excellent. Well, um, I'm going to turn my webcam on for a second, if that's okay. Uh, because today, I got my first set of so... actual physical dice. Your first set of physical the, dice? These are my, okay, these are my dice. Yeah. Because all the dice I used to use belong to my older brother. Uh -huh. And when I got back into the hobby, like, every game I played is pretty well online. So I've never had a need for physical dice. Uh -huh. And then... Um, I, I won some from Libris Arcana, and they're these beautiful bone-colored dice, but there's also mm -hmm. this really cool red and gold D10 with a dragon on it, so it's, it's, I'm, I couldn't, I'm stupidly happy. I, I don't even sound stupidly happy, but that's... No, no, yeah, you sound, you sound beautiful. stunned by it. You sound stunned by how pretty they are. I was very stunned when I won, because that was one of the weeks leading up to Josh going to hospital, and it had uh, been yes. quite a week. Yes, I hope you're feeling a lot better now. Yeah, I've got one last follow-up visit, just because they had to do some biopsies, but look, Ugh. whatever they Ugh. say it is, it's treatable. It's treatable. Life That's the main on. thing. Life does go on. We MacGyver our tech setups and life goes on. If, if only we had access to some of that delicious divine healing magic in that world of Dungeons and or Dragons. Ah, oh, yes, but at what cost, Josh? At what cost? Actually, that's a good point. Um, and speaking of, like, extra magic and whatnot, um, a couple of weeks ago they brought out the Unearthed Arcana and pretty well jazzed up every class a bit. Yeah, it's pretty much every class gets a go in. Um, I've read it, I've skimmed all of it. Um, I don't have many mechanical thoughts because I kind of have to play things to get that sort of sense. Um, very, very kinesthetic in that way. Uh, but I have been playing... The, uh, the the Rune Knight. I've been playing that in the Avernus game. I play uh, Saturday morning D&D &D on Variant Rolls, uh, which is, of course, very early Sunday morning D&D &D for me, like to the tune of 1am. So I've been, I've been playing this game as a, uh, as a Rune Knight where, um, look, I wake up the next morning and I wonder if the whole thing was a fever dream because of the, the, the content <laughs> and the time, and I'm like, did that happen? Uh, I really but, it's, but it's been a blast, and being, being able to have a fighter with a little bit more of that magic in it, but not in the, set, not in the really central baked-in way that the um, Eldritch Knight is, but in this kind of incidental person just stumbled across magic way has been so much fun i i remember reading and thinking this sounds really cool because it's for me so the the idea of the eldritch knight seems it's a bit of one but not enough of the other yeah whereas like you know yeah magic's really really damaging and you know 
I, I guess I still have the scarring from, you know, second edition where at a certain level fighters just got given an army to try and be as powerful as mages. But yeah. given that we're looking at, like, you know, the, the action economy, I like the idea of what the Rune Knight has. And I don't remember the details, but I remember reading it thinking, if I had to play a fighter, this would be a serious contender. Yeah, but it was an instant choice. Instant choice for me. I was going to play a Battlemaster. I was always going to play a fighter in this game, and the Unearthed Arcana came out just before we started, and I was like, mm -mm, no, we're switching. This is what I want. This is everything I've ever kind of wanted in a character. I love my melee damage. I love being able to play big, strong brutes, but having that little bit of magic in there just makes it so much more interesting to me. And since a lot of it is is buff magic, um, it's, it's buff for you, buff for your friends. And the fighter is pretty buff as well. <laughs> and the fighter is pretty buff as well. It's, it's, it's good fun. It's, it turns the fighter into a real cohesive part of the party and a support function as well as being potentially the, the, the tank and the front runner. So it just, I... it just gives a bit more depth to the character and I really, really love it. Also, giant lady. Who does not love giant ladies? Giant lady. I, look, I, I, I actually also thought the, the, the flavor of it as well was really, really cool. Because I think yeah. giants are, I think in some ways, a criminally underused monster. Because you just think, oh, it's a person but bigger. It's like, no. Mm, no, no, they have their go own. Read, go read the yeah. cool book. Is it Volos or? It's Volos, isn't it? That has um, Volos, but Storm, Storm King Sunder is entirely giants. It's, an, it's a levels 1 to 15, possibly 20, if you, if you go for that. Um, all about giants. Storm King Sunder is the giant adventure, and that's that's the adventure that I that I've been running for the last year. So, yep. I that sound you may or may not have heard is Josh's brain saying, "I will never run that." I it's I, so I don't good. know if I'll ever fit it in. It's Too so good. It's so great. It. Sounds cool. I, I keep hearing cool things about it on Twitter and thinking, there's so many things I want to run or be in, and oh well. Oh, there's no, no time. Never life. enough time. Not enough hours in the in the life. Yeah. Anyways. Um, moving through the class stuff on the on the UA thingy. Uh, Barbarian. Um, I thought it's minor tweaks. Like, I, I think the skill increases are cool. I would take those over the danger sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, same. I've never really used Danger Sense, and I've played a lot of Barbarians. Yeah, it's it's a really niche thing to give them, whereas yeah. letting them, like, kind of intercept a moving enemy is cool. Hmm. Letting Absolutely. them have, like, those extra things, and, like, giving them an extra skill so they can take, um, like, a, a social skill, like Intimidate, which I'm okay with a Barbarian rolling their strength bonus for Intimidation if they do something physical to back it up. I'm like, yeah, you can hit raw strength, man. Yeah. Um, if that's I what you're that's using cool. to Intimidate, then yeah. If you yeah. never have to open your mouth, you're fine. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to say this confidently. I just picked you up with one hand. Yeah. I don't, I don't, have, to, I don't have to say anything. <laughs> Giant lady. Giant lady. <laughs> um... So I think we'd agree, yes, it's a cool change for Barbarians. Mm-hmm, agree. Um, the Bard? It's all right. It's mechanical, <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah. Um, clerics, I, I like Clerics and I like the idea of them having more spell. Oh, one thing I did see that was like a thematic thing, and Jeremy Crawford um, mentioned mm. it. The reason they did all the classes can change their spells all the damn time is because some groups go long times before leveling, and so mm. it makes sense that you can change your spells all the time. Yeah, to be fair, I'm I'm in one of those groups. I'm in two of those groups. I'm running one of those groups, and I'm in one of those groups. And it's just, and again, taking it back, I think I'm going to be talking about Storm King Thunder a fair bit on this episode. Because we might be. Rolling back to that again, there is an entire chapter in the middle there. Chapter three of Storm King Sunder is this big cross-country kind of gallivant, super sandboxy, completely open world. And if your players are the kind who pick up threads and just run with them and get really excited about side quests, chapter three and its associated level can just go on for months. And months and yeah. months. 
I, as far as I know, that is every group I've ever been part of. Exactly. Or, or run something for. It's like, yeah, I know you guys will do it. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so, yeah, that being stuck at a level and certain classes having their spells tied to that leveling up process, I can, I can definitely see the need to maybe adjust that a little bit. Yeah. Officially, also, even without a home, outside of, outside of house ruling, that sort of stuff. Yeah. I, I also really liked it for the ranger as well, because for me it was like, the ranger is the tracker, they understand the spore of what they're going after, and so like they might just like take some time to kind of rest and go, right, I know it's this kind of creature, I'm going to change my spells, yeah. be more effective as a hunter and a tracker and a fighter. It's like, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah, and the ranger's one of the ones who I think was hamstrung the most by that unable to change their spells, because... In terms of and in terms of thematics as well, I see the magic that a ranger uses as being adjacent to what a druid would use. It's the same kind of this has come from the environment that I'm in and my familiarity with this environment. So it made no sense to me that that um, you know druids had a bit more flexibility than than rangers. Yeah, druids are druids are cool though. Like I I yeah. love I like druids. I played one druid who got killed. Um, and what was annoying is, okay, so it was fighting, us, the, the druid was fighting two large demon blokes. And it was, I was like, okay, use Thunder Wave, maybe push him back and then run. Because this is not a fight he can win. And it was only when I was, like, it was after the session, I was in bed and I thought, oh, move earth. Yes. Throw earth into their face. Yeah. I'm five feet down. I turn into a mole. I'm into the hill. Yes, there's it just the mechanics of a druid are just so good, and a druid, I play a druid in my longest running game um, with the group that I started playing with when 5th edition first came out. Uh, they were all up in Brisbane, I still play with them, shout out to Rolls Upon the Halfling. Um, <laughs> I am the halfling. I have seen you write that a few times on your Twitter thing that you are a halfling. Yeah. I'm a halfling. Um, or a giant lady. Or, or a giant lady. No, no giant middle ground. lady. But, yeah, it, the mechanics of a druid are so flexible, and the longer you spend playing a druid, the more ideas you get. It's not a class that, I mean, I maybe I'm biased because my favourite character that I play is a druid, but part of that is because it never gets stale. No, I, I, I've seen, I, I can feel see like that, I'm exploring. I, I can see that, because you can do anything. Mm -hmm. You can be the healer, you can be the tank, you can do some really good DPS. And yeah. you can make the DM's life a living hell. Absolutely. Which I think is cool. Um, what, what did you, you think of make the them wild... laugh. Pardon? You can also make them laugh a lot. Well, it's always nice when the players do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Josh, how do you solve this problem? I turn into a bear. How does that solve the problem? I'm I am a bear. Now a bear. I <laughs> I'm a bear. I don't care anymore. I don't care um, about the problem. It's no longer my problem. It is now somebody else's else. problem. Exactly. Um, Wild Companion, what did you think? Um, I haven't actually looked into that too much, so tell me about it, and okay. I'll tell you what um, I think. <laughs> you gain the ability to summon a spirit that assumes an animal form. As an action, you can expend use of your wild shape feature to cast the fine familiar spell without material components. Yes, I love that. I mean, obviously it feels like it's encroaching a little bit in some of the ranger stuff, mm. but they're, they're, those are two very different purposes to have a familiar with a druid you know your familiar you know isn't isn't your hunting companion your familiar is probably just your your, your roommate it's your buddy yeah, so it's I'm... it feels it feels probably because i come at this from less from a mechanical perspective and much more from a flavor and thematics and role-playing perspective. This is probably something that you could just house rule in. Like, yeah, you can, you know what? You have learned fine familiar. I know it's not a druid spell, but you can, you can use it. So it could very easily be house ruled. Uh, so maybe it doesn't necessarily need to be UA, but the idea that somebody who is connected to the land and a particular type of land based on your circle can make friends with the creatures in it makes a lot of sense. It seems silly to not be able to do that in retrospect. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I look at it and think, oh, but that's a, that's, a, that's a wild shape I can't have. And I like wild shaping as a druid. It was my favourite uh, thing. 
say, I I play a spores druid, and I very rarely use wild shape because I use the the spore activation component, which also takes a use of your wild shape. Um, so I'm I'm already kind of fairly amenable to that idea of not using wild shape for wild shape. Uh, so I think more flexibility in that regard, using that same power for different things, yeah, sits perfectly fine with me. Uh, as somebody who very rarely uses their wild shape. I suspect that'll change when I level up again and I get a flying speed. Oh, yeah, okay, that I will change be... stuff, yeah. Mm, yeah, because I'm currently level 7. That that druid is level 7, so I think once I hit level 8, it'll be like, oh, I can fly now. Uh, bye, y'all. Yeah, we appear to be in a fight we can't win. What do you mean, well... we? <laughs> exactly. Again, again, this doesn't sound like a me problem. <laughs> This sounds like a, this sounds like a problem for people who can't get out of this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's the same the as the bear thing. Exactly. <laughs> it's okay, how are you going to solve this problem? I'm an eagle. How does that solve the problem? Goodbye. <laughs> it's no longer my problem. I'm so glad that one of my players in particular, Tyler, is does not play a druid because I'd hit him. Um, <laughs> he'd do exactly that he he lives in the states so, i mean look i'd have to save up for a ticket but i'd make it worth my time every now and then you just hear this eagle and off he'd go uh to be fair that... i do turn into a spider pretty regularly spiders are very useful spiders are i yeah i think direwolf is the is one of the best for combat but spiders are great for just kind of getting around and being versatile and yeah and that's that's what i mostly use wild shape for so losing one for the sake of having an animal friend you know doesn't rather than just being the animal friend um doesn't really doesn't really bother me too much yeah and i mean i i guess like find familiar is a really good spell if you want to like say okay my rat sneaks forward and i can see everything through its eyes and it's like actually no that has also and it's the, funny. um I don't know if druids have like a fire breathing spell. They have several fire spells. Um, it stands to reason that if there is one, they would have it. Um, because I've been in a group where a guy cast fire breathing on mm -hmm. his raven familiar, and then suddenly we had a very small dragon. Oh, that's lovely. You could also just feed them a potion of fire breath. Yeah. Just... I was in a game once where we could have had a giant fire-breathing wolf, and we didn't, and I was upset. Why would you not have that? I know. That's also, an option. We, we also had a dragonborn in plate mail, and I thought, dragonborn plate mail holding a hammer on a giant fire-breathing wolf. That's the best metal album cover ever. <laughs> so metal. I'm giving everyone inspiration now. That is so metal. It is. And so, can we just agree that, in general, druids are awesome. Yes, I think I think we've agreed. Druids are great. You can do whatever you like to them. Druids are awesome. Yeah, druids are great. Um, the, the fighter. I think the fighter got the most out of this deal. Yeah. Which is not a bad thing. Um, I mean, this would still work with your rune knight as well, yes. correct? Yeah. Yeah, it and would. I mean, I I like what they did because they gave a charisma like. A, a charisma buff skill. Sorry. A, ah, Josh, come on. Brain. Work. A thing. A, th a thing, yeah. A silver tongue, which I think is cool. I, th I think yeah. any any addition to a, a class that allows more options for out-of-combat shenanigans is a good improvement. Yeah. Um, and, look, I'm somebody who... Typically, with my fighters, I do... Um, wisdom is almost always my dump stat. Um, I like making poor life choices, so <laughs> wisdom is almost always my dump stat. Um, and I like having I like having physically powerful characters who are also pretty good at charisma, even if they're not particularly clever, or maybe they are a little bit clever and a little bit a little bit chatty as well. But I like having, especially for fighters, I like the idea of charisma buffs because. You know, a lot of the a lot of the fighter backgrounds rely on being in the you know being in the military, being a mercenary, all of these things that you know you would have to be a little bit charismatic to be good at this. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of like to just going on what you said. It's like the fighter is that person in the gym who works out, knows they look great. Yeah, and it's like, look, man, look, friend. 
check this out. What do you think? It's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And that's them they, talking they, to they the know, mirror. They've got, yeah, they've got their technique on lock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, check this out. It's pretty... Yeah. Like, I... And, and I say, like, I, I like that idea as well. Like, it is so stereotypical that the bard or the paladin has all the charisma bonuses. But it's like, the, the difference there, I mean, for me thematically, between, say, a fighter with high charisma versus a paladin who has to have some level of charisma, mm. is like... This person's not all about a cause. They're about them. And that's great. Yeah. Um, I like doing I like having I like having barbarians with charisma because of course charisma is not necessarily I am good at talking or I'm witty and charming. It, it's literally just strength of personality. Hmm. So, you know, for paladins that could that may not come across as somebody who can talk you into or out of things at all. It may come across as um I am very, very passionate about my beliefs. That's a that's a force of personality thing. Yeah, and I mean, if if we think about the the best portrayal of the most famous um, barbarian, mm. look, say what you like. Arnie has a very strong personality. Yeah, I say this because Arnie, I haven't Arnie's, seen the Arnie's Jason Arnie's got Momoa points thing. in charisma. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't at me. I mean, I feel like nobody nobody could say that Arnie, Jason Momoa. That they don't have charisma. That is actually there's this really um, I like Jason Momoa. He he definitely has force of personality. Yeah. Um, there's this movie trailer I saw. It was like for a movie where he's a werewolf or something, and I watched the trailer several times. Never watched the movie because I I realized I didn't have to. Yes. But there's this bit where Jason Momoa is just sitting in the corner, and he just tilts his head and smiles at the at the main dude character. And you just kind of think, Jason, you know why you're hired. Like, specifically, they just write, like, look, we need someone big who can be menacing, but you love them for it. Who yeah. do we get? We get Jason Momoa. We get what? Jason Momoa. That's what he does. It's just, it's his face. Yeah. That's that's what he does. And, you know, that's a, you know, barbarian with charisma. He, he really is. And apparently he's a lovely fellow. Yeah. But, I mean, and that, that to me, like... Yes, give give melee classes, give fighters, give barbarians charisma buffs. Absolutely. Yeah, I think so. I like the idea of it. I like it. I, I, I like the idea of... I mean, I know there's probably... Again, this, is, this UA is not something that I've delved into too deeply or the discussion around it, um, so I may be way off here, but I imagine there is probably a few comments about, the, about blending the classes too much, about blurring some of those lines between them. Which honestly, most of these things do a little bit, but they do it more from a role play perspective than a mechanical perspective. And I think anything that kind of encourages people to build characters that sit a little bit outside the box is going to be a good thing. Yeah. I mean, also, I mean, here's the thing almost every class can, almost every class can tank a bit. Not mm. so much the wizard, unless mm. they get. I'm trying to remember, like, sorry, I don't sounds know. Sounds like I... a challenge. <laughs> okay, Alex. <laughs> we need a giant lady mage. <laughs> exactly. Um, Although, actually, kind of funny you should mention that because I am playing in a game that's about to start up a uh, Warforged wizard. Oh, are you going into Eberron? I no 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 I'm just I'm just pulling from I don't actually know where it's set. Um we have not been we have not been given this information yet, but oh. it's just it's a it's a home game. It's not a it's not gonna be streamed or anything, so it's very much just a do what you want. And what I wanna play is a Warforged Wizard. So Tank Wizard. Literally. Maybe a thing. <laughs> Literally. Usually a Warforged is a bipedal creature. Alex character, however, it's got treads. Please no, do that, no, Alex. Please they're do that. actually I'd they're actually it. they're actually nobility, and they're very oh. fancy. Okay. They are they are a fancy robot. But I mean, if they have treads, then they could have hydraulics and do that kind of like whole going up and down thing. They could be like a like a um, like a souped up car. Yeah. No. Exactly. No. This is this is getting out of hand. <laughs> um. Yes. That um, character is all up for grabs for somebody else. My my. My wizard tank is is. Yes. And, and if someone Thank wants to do much. character art of 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 yes. like that, that'd be amazing. Um, 
monks, I, I like monks. I think they're cool. I don't think yeah. it's a huge change for them. It's like a cool, a few key things they can do. I don't understand the key fueled strike, and I actually went and read the rules about it a bit. But it seems to me they can already do this, so I don't know how much of a difference that makes. Someone, please feel free to join up. Oh, sorry, I forgot something. Also, um, I spoke to a client today, and she found out that I'm all into Dungeons and Dragons, and so we had a good long talk about it, and I want to say, hi Sarah, if you're listening. Hello Sarah. So, sorry, I... That's quite alright. I got distracted, and I had that written down for me to do, and then I just... Actually <laughs> and um, then you did not. Yeah, I'm not as bright as I'd like to be. Um, no... Yes, I mean, Monks, nah, it's okay. I think I actually wrote that literally in my notes. Yeah, it's alright. Um, paladins, fighting styles, yeah. Should have been there from yep. the start. Yep, and they are. Yep, they're a melee class, just give it to them. And now they can be a bit closer to a spellcaster. and Like, they could already do all this. Yeah. I mean, I like, here's the thing. I like that they're doing that because it means also that your party can be more varied. You now can have um, that party full of paladins and clerics um, and be aware that, look, depending on which domain the clerics play, depending on which style the paladins go, you've got the three main archetypes of character. Yeah. And the other, with some of the classes could kind of already do that. I mean... Yeah. Uh, some of the like I mean cleric is a fantastic example that a party of all clerics that's that's been doable for a long time mm. and this to me feels like some of the other classes are now catching up with that versatility which I, which is fantastic I think it's cool um, I, I once had an idea to run a, um, a game it was just gonna be okay you you all have to be clerics there's no other magic and this game was going to be set over like hundreds and hundreds of years and i was going to call it clerical errors oh oh i'm so angry at myself that, no bad sorry moving straight on past rangers <laughs> yeah we already discussed them we, they... we already discussed rangers we went straight yeah. to ranger I, I think my other note was holy shit how do i kill them now I mean, 1d10 plus your Wisdom modifier, you can use this as many times as your Wisdom modifier, minimum of once. Cool. And you have Druid magic, which includes healing magic. Cool. Hmm. You are now a cleric and a fighter. Well done, you. Ranger. And you can have a, a beastie with you. And, oh, and you actually, on that note, I love what they've done with that Ranger companion thing. Yes. That's really good that they've just gone right guys do what you like here are your two options yeah we know exactly why you're playing a ranger yes if you're playing a beastmaster this is what you want exactly and it just this is why you're here this is why you came to the party literally yeah um and i think look that has just made people's lives easier it's the it's the sly flourish of you know Class changes. And on that note, I started flicking through the book, but we'll, we'll talk about that yeah. later. Yeah. It is yes, good. Like, I, even the first chapter is just like, wow, okay, that is all. Yeah. Joshua, focus. Um, <laughs> we did this last time. <laughs> do that all the time. <laughs> on, on, stay on Damn. track, stay on track. Damn it, Zuga, you do it all the time. Um, <laughs> I think the rogue has, like, the, the least of everything, but rogues are like clerics in that they can kind of do a lot of stuff anyway. Yeah, and they also got that amazing uh, subclass with the last Unearthed Arcana as well, mm. the Reborn Rogue. So, yeah. and I, and I think that that in a lot of ways I kind of um uh, I don't want to use the word unbalanced. Um, it changes the dynamics of the party because when you're doing necrotic damage at second level all the time reliably, uh, that can I, have a... my Drew my Drew's been doing that for a long time. Yeah, I don't know I. It's also one of those things that's like when the rogue rolls the crit and it's like, right, we're fighting we're fighting something nasty and magical. I can't hurt it with my normal weapons. Oh, good, I can do necrotic. Oh, there's the crit. Oh, 
66. Right. That's 20 damage and suddenly... I mean, look, that does make the rogue look really cool. So, I mean, that's that's good for those people playing rogues. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of that's sort of what the rogue does, though, is, is you know, gets in, gets gets into the shitload of damage and gets out quick. Yeah, that's kind of the deal. That's, yeah. If they get hit... Yeah, it's alright. Um, sorcerers. Also, the other thing I wrote about rogues is they have heaps of expansions in Xanathar's and other stuff as well. So Bugroom. Yeah, yeah. Um, they have. They already. They already. They're like clerics. They already just have so much at their disposal. If you wanted a full party of rogues, that'd be just as easy as doing a full party of clerics. Oh, that'd be fun. You'd probably die quicker, although you could steal healing potions from places. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Josh, don't get distracted again. Um. Sorcerers, I'm just easily distracted. Um, sorcerers I like because they did a similar thing with the fighters where mm. you can use your spell slots to be really good outside of casting magic. And I think that's cool. Yeah. I think I think this whole thing to me speaks of Wizards understanding that this isn't just about... This isn't a game about, you know, questing and fighting anymore. This is much more with fifth edition especially the people that have joined the game are here for role-playing and make-believe as much as fighting and and mechanics yeah i i I can confess and i hope i'm in a a somewhat of a safe place for this (laughs) i find dungeon crawls to be somewhat i don't want to say the word boring but I, like, a good dungeon crawl is great, but I think it has to be limited to a few sessions only. Yeah. Because I think after it's a good, the fourth, it's part of the game. After the fourth trap room slash puzzle room, people are going to be like, "Oh God, can we just find like a, can we find a chatty goblin that we can talk to just for a bit?" Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I think I think a lot of people are on the same page there, where it's bringing those three pillars of the game back into alignment a bit more. Uh, you know, the, the combat, the exploration, the socialization. I think it's, I think they're just trying to rebalance that and pull up that uh, exploration and, well, I mean, exploration, I think, is the most neglected pillar, but that social, especially, pillar of the game, bringing that up in importance mechanically. Yeah, and I, and I think it's good that they do it. Yeah. Um, Warlocks, Warlocks got a Warlocks got a bit of stuff. I mean, they mm. they got just a lot more like eldritch invocations, which is cool. I mean, my my favorite thing is a warlock, and I played a hexblade because mm-hmm. yeah, why not be the edge boy of your party? Exactly. Um, I've also was, played a hexblade. They were they, a fifty-five-year-old woman. They were a middle-aged woman who just wanted some respect. I bet she got some. Oh, yeah. I gotta say. Was this a version of Gladys? No, 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 no. This was this was Mavis. Um, when you so get up to is... barrel, I want to. Yeah. Know. Yes, exactly. Well, now I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to roll up a barrel now, aren't I? But no, this was this was Mavis, um, who did not actually know how. And this is this was the hilarious part about warlocks. Mavis had pretty much no stats or skills or anything in anything that had to do with sword fighting. She did not actually know how to fight with a sword, but she was a hexblade. She made this pact. So she was just extremely effective with the sword. It just worked. Yeah. Which I, I was gonna say, um, being that Beryl is a semi-precious stone, yeah. you could use that name for your Warforged, and as part of their fanciness, they just have like Beryl rhinestones all over them. She- She's all rubies. She is all rubies. Oh, oh she's, she's okay. She's Sorry, rubies I, I would... and wood and mithril. She is, she is very, very fancy. She sounds it. Um, my my favorite thing is a hexblade, right? Eyes of the eyes of the uh, sorry the devil's own sight. So you can see in magical and non-magical darkness. Mm-hmm. You cast darkness centered on yourself. Yes. And the next round, or you know, going into like pre-combat, if you you know, kind of done that whole shenanigan. Cast mirror image. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. are now almost impossible to hurt. Yes. And it annoyed the hell out of my dungeon keeper. 
Yeah. He's like, okay, what do I need to roll to hit you? Well, first I need to roll disadvantage. Great. Now you need to roll a d20. Great. You're not hitting me. It's like, that's what, that's what AOE 20. is for. Great. Roll again. Great. You absolutely double critted one of my mirror images. Goodbye. Yeah. He was so angry. It was great. That's amazing. Uh, again, glad Tyler hasn't figured that out yet. Um, the wizard stuff is like, not a lot. You can change your stuff. Good. Yeah. I think we need yep, a muscle good. wizard at some point. I mean, that's what multi-classing's for, I guess. Yeah, true. Um, I think the fighting styles are interesting. I don't think they're amazing. I like the idea of blind fighting mm. as... And, and it kind of reminded me of your character that you um, told us the story about last time, uh, who removed her eyes. And I yes. thought, cool. You can like, have... Yeah. You can have, like, a literal blind character. And that is also very cool because visually impaired people are becoming more and more of a thing in our community and having something that says to them, hey, guess what? You are a hero. Yeah, I don't know. I, I look at that and I'm like, this is something that's been house-ruled in all of my games since forever. So I'm like, okay, cool. This is just wizards kind of catching up with the community here because being unable to see a creature, sure, if they're hidden... That's that's always been disadvantaged, so that's that's cool. But in terms of any characters that you know can't see, we've always just house ruled it that that's that doesn't impose disadvantage. Um, so, and um, I like the idea of um, I'm just trying to think. There's a bad guy in Ninja Scroll. Oh wait, oh there's that Rutger Hauer movie. Um. I'm dating myself badly here. Um, oh. There's a Rutger Hauer movie, I think it's called Blind Fury or Blind Justice, where he plays a, I think it's a Vietnam veteran who got taught, who got blinded in the war, but got taught mm -hmm. swordsmanship, and he fights with his ears. Like he, like he can hear what's happening around him, and he's yeah. just amazing with a sword. And it is a terrible camp 80s or 90s movie, but it's great. I do like the idea of taking it further as a mechanic and just even if you can't see the creature as long as you know where it is. Mm. But it, even in this, even this blind fighting thing, it says provided the creature isn't hidden from you, which, okay, I think a lot of tables will probably have house ruled that yeah. already. I'd, I'd happily give um, blind sense as well. And yeah, just say, yeah. Like, let's, let's just put that in there. Let's have something fun and flavorful. I'm all about that. Yeah. Exactly. I think I think a lot of tables will have house ruled something like this already, um, but it's cool that it's in there. I yeah. really like interception. I really, really think that's really, really cool. I think that's baller. <laughs> yeah, that is so cool. Yeah, I like. I, I'd potentially even combine it with like a shoulder charge, like yeah. reaction attack as well. It's like you're not just intercept; like you you check them as they're yeah. coming through. But. Also, this is very similar to a mechanic that exists in another game, 13th Age, where if one of your allies in the near section of the combat is being attacked, you can just intercept. Like, it's it's a freebie. You can just jump in and say, no, they're not attacking that, that person. I'm going to take that hit for them. Nice. Um, so that's, you know... That maybe, means... maybe not a D&D &D thing. Maybe something from another game that has been brought in. Um... Which is an intelligent thing to do. Wait, wait, wait a second, Alex. You mean there, there are games that are not D&D? Oh, apparently. Are they, are they any good? Wait, uh, they, can't, well, they can't be. They couldn't be. 13th they... Age is a delight to play. I'll have to play it one day. It is really fun. And Intercept is fantastic. Uh, it, it helps keep your wizards alive. Yeah. <laughs> it helps keep your spellcasters very much alive. Yeah, they should have been druids. Especially since there are there are spellcasters who have specific uh, advantages if they have an extra low constitution. So, yeah, yeah. If you're if you're a necromancer in Thirteenth Age, it is to your benefit to be basically dead half the time. Like your magic is stronger the closer to death you are. That that's cool. It the is close, cool. The closer you are to the veil, the more you can draw from it. I oh yeah. I like that. 
So right. intercept is a really valuable feature when you've got, you know, a character who is going to die with one hit all of the time. Okay. So, I'm gonna have to look so, up 13th age now. That's why that's why the intercept mechanic I, I really like it, because you can start to again, it takes combat to a place where interpersonal relationships really matter, like mm, do you wanna yes. intercept? Yeah. Are you gonna? Well, I can see that going badly and beautifully. Yeah, it's. I think it's it's a really fun mechanic, and I'm really excited about it, um, because I play a lot of other games than D and D, and there's excellent stuff in there. I feel jealous. But, yeah. Look, the the one that I'm intending on running soon is a um a, a game a one shot of Rogue Traders, which is like Ooh. Warhammer Forty Thousand, on the edge of civilization looking thing, and I bought it for like a dollar fifty on Humble Bundle, so I'm like, yeah, I'll, 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 yeah, yeah, it's a good fair. investment. Fair. Okay, so I'm moving on to one of the the, the the bigger, bigger, bigger thing that we wanted to discuss is how to make dealing more attractive for people to get into. Like, how do we turn players into dungeon masters? And I just want to point out now, it's not... If I have a tone of like, oh, you know, you graduate from a player to this, it's like, no, 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 guys, that's no. a bullshit. That's a bullshit mm. dynamic. We're all beautiful, we're all lovely, as long as we're all making sure that everyone has a lovely time. Yes. So DMs DMs are just players with a few more secrets. And and one or two more books in front of them. Not necessarily. <laughs> no. Not no, necessarily. Actually, yes. Yeah. Not There are a lot of different ways to do this. Okay. Well, I think there. Every time I ask people why don't you DM, I get like the same ten-ish responses. You know, it's too hard, I'm not creative enough, it'll take too much time out of my day, I'm too anxious to do it, it's too expensive, I don't know anyone who wants to play, scheduling's too hard. Like, I get the same kind of responses, and I think there's just, I think there's just a, a idea out there that, first of all, like you said, DMing isn't really, that doesn't put you in that much of a different position than the players. Yeah. And also... It doesn't have to be any of those things. Um, I have something in front of me right now. Is it the Sly Flourish Lazy DM Guide? No, I bought that in on my Kindle, so I don't actually have a physical one to hold up but okay. uh, and look at. But you should absolutely get that guide. You should. You really um, should. I bought it today, and I read through, and he actually gives the steps for perfecting a game, and I read through and realized I did that for our last session of, of the podcast game that I run. And it still went beautiful. And it's like, that is really all you need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, Everyone, it is. Ten bucks. Yes, it is. Twelve bucks. I... Australian or something. Go buy yeah. it. God's sake. That book. That book. Okay, what I found about... Okay, that is probably going to be my first thing, is if you want to be a DM, but you're nervous about it, but you have these concerns, that is the first thing you should be doing. Getting getting Sly Flourish's book. Honestly, it was... I, I did DM for a little while before getting it. And, you know, a lot of those pushbacks that people had against DMing applied to me, especially especially the one about being anxious. I didn't find DMing that fun when I first started. I found it anxiety-inducing and scary and too much work and it would take up heaps of my time and it was just, it was a chore more than anything else. But I grabbed the Lazy Dungeon Master's Guide, The Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master, I grabbed that and realized that all of the bits about DMing that I enjoyed and that I was doing well were things that he talked about. So when I applied the rest of it, suddenly, you know, I'd cut my cut my prep time down to 30 minutes. Nice. I was way more relaxed at the table. It was easier to just take things in my stride. And then I started being able to DM at local game stores and at conventions and coming up with modules on the fly at the table and all of this stuff that I never in a million years thought I'd be able to do just because he's able to distill these quite complex ideas down into very easy to follow steps. Which is great. Yeah, yeah, so, it's fantastic. I would say we kind of answered one of the um, things there. A, a, a lovely person by the name of Burroughs Red, when I said yeah. I'd be talking to you about this, said, a great choice for a guest. And I'm thinking, yeah, she is. <laughs> I um, love you. And um, she said, before I started, the advice she received on you know, mainly forums was DM equals God, but it's so far from the truth. And I agree. Yeah. It is. And I've started to kind of run with this idea where it's like, I want my player characters 
to start making NPCs that matter to them. Yeah. Like, yeah. we introduced one um, this week who is one of the player character's daughters, and he's a scumbag. Um, and he ruined the bit that I had planned for her introduction. But it's one of those things where it's like, okay, he now has a reason to actually start growing up and not being an ass. Yeah. He didn't ruin it. He, he, you know, he didn't ruin it. He made it, he made it more he, intriguing for everybody. He, well, he ruined my bit. Well, he ruined it. Great. <laughs> well, he did ruin it, but... <laughs> but the funny but thing is, he does yeah. that all the time, so it's on brand for him. Yeah, you really should have seen that coming. I should have. Yeah. One, one day, I will. Um... Now I'm going to go up slightly from there. Um, Treant Monk um, recommended running a an adventure called Wild Sheep Chase. I had a bit mm -hmm. of a read through. Look, it's it's it, it's fun. It's easy to run. It's also free. Free is good. I read through it. I would agree. This has the potential for a lot of comedy, but it explains the motivations of the monsters as you go. And mm -hmm. I'll be honest, I've read a lot of modules. Not all of them do that. And where it's necessary, it changes the way the DM approaches that monster. And that's yeah. really necessary. Yeah, absolutely. I've played Wild Sheep Chase. Um, oh. I, yeah, this is... I, 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 yeah, look, I play a lot of D&D. &D. Um, but I have played a Wild Sheep Chase, and it's really fun. Um, it's, it's unexpected and surprising and just generally a lot of fun. And I wasn't a new player when I came at it. Um, I had a, I was testing a new character that kind of made a reprise in my first streamed game. Um, and it was a, she was a, she's a barbarian and I got to use, barbarian. yeah, yeah, barbarian. Yeah. And I got to use Tavern Brawler to collect a fish that our gunslinger had shot and then threw the fish at an orc and did max damage so I nearly killed an orc with a fish and I was like well this is great this is this is officially the most fun I've had playing D&D &D. so it's yeah it's a single session adventure it's it's beautifully laid out it's simple it's free and it can be so much fun I, so I kind I of think, wish yeah. now that your your barbarian had had access to multiple fish and thrown them at them repeatedly because then you would have effectively schooled him Aye. exactly Hey. Um, but you know, that, that starts to look into the, into the, um, it's too expensive kind of response that I get a lot. And yeah. as is my answer to all of these things, yes, it can be, but it doesn't have to be, yeah. you know, the basic rules are online available for free. There are heaps of free modules out there. Uh, you can get online dice rollers. You don't need to buy dice. There's, or you could win some dice. Or you could win some dice. Uh, but, you know, just, you don't have to spend money to play this game. You can. You can spend a lot of money. You don't have to. You, you can absolutely capitalism the hell out of this shit. If, you, if, that's, if that's your jam, go, go for gold. But yeah. if the thing that's stopping you from running a game is the idea that you have to have the player's handbook and the dungeon master's guide and the monster manual and every source book... You don't. You can get started with the free rules online. You can get started with a free account on D&D Beyond. You can get started with free adventures from the DMs Guild. Like, there is so much available out there for you. There are so many resources that are explicitly designed to get people playing and running this game for nothing and yep. very quickly. Uh, so, you know, just take advantage of those resources just because you know, your favorite Dungeon Masters might have everything. That's not why their games are great. Yeah, their games are great because they got a cool bunch of people who have agreed to be cool. Yeah, and who and, are cool with each other. Yeah, and, and they're at that point where they can be cool and vulnerable, which is very cool. Yeah, that vulnerability is another aspect of it that kind of leads into the, into the issue people have about being anxious, but taking the assumption that you might already be a player... Uh, and you are looking to DM from that position. If you're, if you are able to sit at a table and have a good game of D and D with people, those are the people who you can run a game for. It's you're not really putting yourself in that much more of a vulnerable position than a player. And if you are, if you see that 
a DM, if you, if you see a DM is putting in so much more work and so much more emotion into this, then maybe you should just be asking more of your players. Yeah, I think there's a social contract between the DM and the players. Absolutely. It's a collaborative story. This isn't the DM's world. The DM is not God. This is about what? everybody working yeah. together. <laughs> yeah. No, surprise, surprise, DM isn't God. Uh, yes. Actually, um, yeah, that, that is a good point. I mean, there's, um, there's, some, there's two things here that a couple of people said. One is Tabletop Obscura. Um, and this was also matched by Dave, a chill owl. And I just want to say, great name, Dave. Yeah. Love it. Nice work. Dave is a chill owl. I, I, I like the, the branding. It's, it's good branding. Mm. Um, and Michael Jones, who you, you, we played with Michael. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he was a bard who had a very bad time. Um, yeah. <laughs> almost. <laughs> yeah. You even tried, like, we tried everything to get that guy over the line. Like, no, this performance is bad. <laughs> We tried. We tried really hard. And as a music teacher, I'm sure he's had students in that position, and then he's like in it, and it's like, oh, that Michael. Um, but they actually say, guys, mentor, like, ask the DM if they'd mentor you, and I'll put my hand up and say, I happily would. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I will, I will be at your table, my friend. Yeah. What do you need? And that's just it. Is is. For every for every objection you have, or for everything that is out there stopping you from DMing, there is a DM who is available to you who can help you around that, who can give you the resources, who can talk you through it, if yeah. if that's what will help. Yeah, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the the mentoring aspect of it is lovely. I mean, I the the mentors I had were people who I just listened to play the game, like Chris Perkins, and that's a great person to listen to. Mm. Um, Joe Tria or Aram Vartien uh, from How We Roll and um, Rise of the Demigods respectively and God's mm -hmm. Fault also. It's like, listen to the way these guys play their game because they play it really well. Yeah. Or, you know, don't. Like, yeah. really, you don't, you don't have to, if that's because, I mean, I mean, it is good to listen to people who are doing it really well and learn from people but if you're a brand new DM, I can understand how that is intimidating actually yeah, how listening cool. listening to people who are just just fantastic at it who have honed their craft who are just phenomenal at it can actually put you off and you think well i'm not going to be able to make a game like that that's okay because you're going to make a game like you you and your friends are going to put together a game in the way that you do it and you're going to be sitting around a table together and it's going to be fun for you and that's all it needs to be so if you find it kind of spikes your anxiety to try and learn from the greats, don't. Learn yeah. from your friends. Who is it at your table who, like which out of your friends do you find interesting and funny and witty and learn from them? On a bit of a personal note here, I may have even talked my wife into starting playing. <laughs> um, and this is actually something you said last week. Because um, one of the TV shows we love to watch together is Jane the Virgin. Yeah. And we were just talking about it, and, and I said, look, here's the thing. You don't even have to really know the rules. If you turn up and you just want to be good time, Okay, it helps. Good times and engaging, people will always want you to be at their table. Like, they'll always want to play with you. And she's like, oh, I like Rogelio. I'm like, if you brought him, if you pretended to be him or a character like him at the table... You, yes, we will, yes, yes you do will it. in. Yeah, and look, you learn things over time. So if you, if you, even as a dungeon master, if you don't know the rules, recruit your players to do that bit for you. Like, seriously, if you think, oh, I'm going to forget all of the rules, and that's, again, that's another thing that I hear a lot, is, well, I don't know the rules well enough. Okay, well, make sure you've got an internet connection and have a player who is your designated rules lawyer. Yeah. Tell them that that's their job, and if you don't know a rule, they're going to look it up for you, and they're going to tell you. I, I have to say, um, with the with the Margrave game, where we have Dan and Cameron, mm -hmm. everyone in that game is a dungeon master. And yeah. it's, in some ways, it, like, okay, there's two ways it can go. It can either go intimidating, it's like, oh man, everyone here, like, they all run their shit really well. Like, they all know their shit. Yeah, like, Cameron's my DM, and he's really good. And he... <laughs> he is really shit, good. 
the shit Heath does. Okay, this guy has soundboards. He had a miniature for his Curse of Strahd death house that was a clear resin ghost lady that lit up in a ghostly green light. Awesome! <laughs> I'm using just roll 20. <laughs> yep, but yep, we all play differently. On the other thing, it's like, guys, you can relax because I don't know, need to know all the rules because I can just say, hey, does anyone know the rule for this? Yeah. And there are times when I'll have to ask something so basic and foundational, and it's never answered with a, damn it, Zugai, do you not know this game? It's answered with a, yeah, yeah, I know, man, this is cool. And again, this comes down to, you know, your group dynamics, having a healthy group and yeah. all. Yeah, that's, that's what it comes down to, is, is finding the right people, because a lot of these issues about, oh, I don't know this, I don't know if I'm creative enough, I don't know if I can push the story enough, it's not your job to know this, it's the group as a whole, and I think we put a lot of pressure on dungeon masters to be god i don't think there are i don't think there are that many dungeon masters out there who want to be in charge of everything or that there might be but at the same time i mean i was thinking oh actually interactions online there actually probably are yeah. uh, but if that's something that is stopping you from running a game maybe we just need to collectively as players and dungeon masters and people enjoying the game expect a little bit more from our players maybe we need to expect our players to know the mechanics of their character, to maybe spend, you know, if you if you as a dungeon master can get your prep down to 30 minutes, if that's what works for you, it works for me. But if that's something that works for you, I don't see anything wrong with asking your players before a session to spend 10, 15 minutes looking at their character sheet, thinking about where they left off last session, what do they want to achieve, you know, what's something about the game that's intriguing them, just asking your players to pitch in like you don't have to show up at the table with a fully fledged world if you show up to a table with people that you like and trust and want to build a story with because you can ask them to pitch in you can you can outsource your dming to your players yeah like i'm i'm so happy with the npcs that that npc that tyler suggested i'm like oh oh okay oh, yeah i can do this I can work with this. And he says, Josh, the worst words I've ever heard from you are, I can work with this, because it means you're playing. <laughs> exactly. They will um, feed your schemes. Let them feed your schemes. Yeah. And, and, when it, and when they're like, how did you do this? And, and on the inside, you're like, because you told me everything. Say nothing and just sit there and smile mysteriously. Have a sip of your drink and say, I'm just that good. I'm just a great dungeon master. Also, you gave me knives and told me how to use them. <laughs> you gave me knives and, and pointed out where you, and showed me where your back was. What was I supposed to do? Not stack? Yeah, you gave me knives and turned around. I, yeah. <laughs> so, trust, trust your players. If, if they're people who you want to play a game with, they are probably people who want to play that game with you and are equally invested as you are in making it fun. So let them help you. Let them help you make it fun. No. You know, they're not, they're not sitting, they're not this passive audience that are sitting back with their arms folded expecting you to deliver. This is, wow. this is, this is, this is an all-in kind of experience. It is. Um, now, the last thing, and the greatest thing that I think could make dun being a dungeon master more attractive. Alex, I, you know, we, we had our pre-recording chat where we MacGyvered everything. Yes. Um, oh, gosh darn it, Skype. Um, <laughs> now... There is a lovely band by the name of Visigoth, and mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. I tripped over this song on Spotify when I was at the gym, and I had to stop and not just like it, I had to get a pen and like write it on my forearm, like go to YouTube, listen to this one again. Yes. Um. You you know this song, you you. I do. You told me yes. Okay. What what is the name of it? Oh, God. Um, I think it's just Dungeon Master. I think it's just, yeah, I think it's Dungeon, it just Dungeon Master, Master, isn't it? Yeah. It's just Dungeon yeah. Master, yeah. Cause, and I was listening to it, and the chorus was like, you know, magic spells, forgotten realms. It's like, wait. It's like wait a proper, God, yeah, it's like proper heavy. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's good metal. <laughs> it's, it's good, good metal. metal. It's good metal about D&D. &D. And I thought, you know, there's got to be a story behind this. And so, you know, two minutes of Googling. This is written about their dungeon master, a guy by the name of Henry. Now, what a legend. I want to know this. 
Is there any chance someone can introduce me to Henry? Yes, we need Henry on this podcast. I also want to know, and I'm, this is just me kind of like, you know, mentally putting together an image. Do you think, you know, they're like, hey, Henry, come over to the studio. We're going to have a quick game. Is that all right, Henry? Can, can you do Henry walks in. He's got his books, his dice, his pens, his papers, his notebook, his pencils, everything. And he comes in and, and they're like, guys, one, two, oh. three. And they nail into it. <laughs> and you can just imagine Henry just like dropping all of his stuff, weeping these beautiful manly tears. I love you guys! Yes. Yes. We need, we need Henry on this show to tell us exactly I, I what happened. I need to track down Henry. To tell us exactly what happened. I think we do. <sighs> that, right. that'd, be, that'd be the ultimate. That'd be amazing. I think I think we've covered a lot of the main the main questions I get. Oh, I don't know anyone who wants to play and scheduling is too hard. That's what the internet is for. Yeah. Um there is just just plug that DD hashtag into Twitter and put a shout out and say, Hey, I, I really want to play a game. Yeah. You will you will be in a game. Yeah. That's this is yeah, that's that's, that's that how is it works. how you and I met. That is how I've met that is how we met. everyone I play with. Yeah. I just say, Hey, does anyone want to play D D? And it's like, uh, I almost get to the point where I've got to say, I'm really sorry, people. I've, I've got a, I've yeah. got a really full table now. But the other yeah. thing I, have, I, I can say is, hey, I'm in Australia. We play on Australian time. And immediately a lot of people just say, oh, look, I'm sorry, I can't make it. Oh, oh, oh. Or alternative, you end up like me and playing a, a streamed game at 1am every week. It's fine. Look, admittedly, that's a great time to play for me it because is- my kids are in bed. It's, it's a great, it is great. It is a fantastic <laughs> game, and I'm, I am loving every minute of it. And I've, I've met some fantastic people through throwing the D&D hashtag out into the internet. I have met some lifelong friends uh, that way. So, you know, if you don't know anyone who wants to play, you just don't know anyone who wants to play yet. And there are, so there are actually some really good streams out there uh, that are dedicated to... Uh, incubating and to giving new DMs a chance. I've got to give a shout out to Variant Rolls, the channel I'm part of, because we do a lot of community games that encourage people to pitch their ideas uh, and run them and kind of incubate shows on our channel before taking them out into the wide world yourself. And also to the Scraticus Academy, who specifically help new DMs and new players. So there there are channels out there that are dedicated to helping you be the dm you want to see in the world i think i need to watch more of these channels yeah or even just follow them on twitter and and because they've all got cool stuff going on even if you don't watch every single show there's always good conversations and good insights happening in the vicinity and and sorry just go to me is um and i think we probably covered it because we've, we've we've said a lot which is good um when I got into this, I also realized I will never know it all because I can't no. memorize one 300-page book. The chances of me memorizing two to three, maybe five 300-page yeah. books, I can't do it. And so I realized I'm always going to be a beginner, which means, but, yeah. A, I'm always going to be making mistakes, but I'm also always going to be learning, and that's kind of lovely. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with... With learning all of the time, you're never going to know it all. As long as, as long as you're having fun with your group. Look, the thing that I had in front of me right at the start before we did what we do and get completely off track, yes, is the D and D Essentials Kit, which is a really cool kit. It's kind of got it's. It literally says on the box everything you need to create characters and play new adventures. Is that do you know what? It, do you know what else it says on the box though? It says for two to six players, D and D Essentials Kit, age twelve plus. We're playing a game designed for kids. Yeah, this is this is a game. This is a game designed for kids. This is a game DM'd by kids. You can do this. It's fine. Just have fun. Yeah, you're gonna let those kids all have all, have all the yeah. fun. Don't let those twelve year olds hold. Don't the fun. don't let children have something that causes them joy that you can't have. Oh god, isn't that <laughs> how we got like you know? No, no don't. Don't no. Don't run DM, a... run run D for your children. Yes, don't start fights with the Star Wars crowd. Yeah, do not do not start fights. <laughs> no, Disney, Disney Plus has arrived and and smoothed everything over for a little while. So yeah, baby, you know, just wait, just wait, 
just wait. Um, uh, but yeah, you know, this is this is a game. Says on the box, ages twelve plus. You know, the kids from Stranger Things could do it. So can you? Amen. Um, or yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with it because I think people yeah. don't take me seriously, anyways. Um, cool, Alex. Um, I do want to say thank you very, very, very much for your time. Um, thank you very much for putting up with the weirdness. No, this is this one of entails. the least weird conversations I've had this week. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm not taking please, that as a please, challenge. Yeah, I was going to say, please leave that beat of silence in there. <laughs> Excellent. We don't um, need to fix that in post. No, um, <laughs> let's not. Um, Alex, uh, can you... Uh, sorry. <laughs> I'm Josh, sorry. My brain shut down. It does that a lot. I'm getting old. <laughs> Um, you have you have pluggables to plug. Um, you mentioned variant roles, which is mm-hmm. um, which does yep. Twitch and whatnot. Yes, variant roles is a streaming channel that I'm on the creative council for, um, which, given my time zone, mostly just means that I show up occasionally and say yes, I agree. But uh, we are running a very very full schedule at the moment of games, and we will be looking to fill that schedule up again in the new year. So if you've got a cool idea bring it to us, run a game, join a game. We're always looking for more folks to, to join the community. Uh, I'm currently playing in a Descent into Avernus game at 9.30 a.m. Eastern time on Saturdays. It's like your Saturday morning cartoons, but with way more swearing. Uh, <laughs> and you can find me on Twitter at Alex Cato. Lovely. Um, I, I can be found at nerdy people D D because I couldn't throw an ampersand in there. Um, pl- please check out the other stuff we do. We've got the cool homebrew strad, but a railway baron called off the rails or something. Cause I decided, haha, this is the campaign. They can't derail because if they do, then they're six. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and, and our Margrave campaign, which is a wonderful cast of lovely Australian dungeon master and players who always make me feel like a wonderful human being when I get to spend time with them. Um, Alex, again, thank you very, very much for putting up with all this technological weirdness to, yeah. We got there and thank you very, very much for having me.